Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Man, what a great crowd this first Sunday of, of 2019. Happy New Year, officially. Uh, now, I know, I know, I know, I know some of you are, were, had a great 2018, and you're excited about the possibilities of 2019, but some of you are just like, I survived 2018, and I'm just glad it's how many of you maybe in that? No, don't raise your hand. It's fine. Either way, either way, can we just take, I know we've clapped a lot, but you can't outclap God. If, if, if you would just take a second and let's give God praise that we are alive, that we are breathing, that we are here this morning, that we are in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and that we get to be his children this year. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, question what is the most important new thing you can do in the new year? Now, I'm kind of hinting at, at resolutions. That's a sore subject sometimes. How many actually wrote down, like was daring enough to write down your New Year's resolutions? Raise your hand. Have a few brave souls. And I say that because you know we make these resolutions. What's the biggest one? Lose weight. Hallelujah. Lord, help us. Get in shape. Exercise. Maybe it's a budgetary resolution. Don't, don't spend more than you make. That would help 2019, wouldn't it? Maybe it's a relationship resolution or something like that. Um, these are all great. They really are. Because we do need to be healthy. And we do need to do those things. But the most important thing you can do in this new year is not any of those. Or not, it's to make discipleship a priority. It's to make discipleship a priority. Look at the screen. Disciple is one who is learning by practical experience under someone who is skilled in a trade, art, or calling. It's the same definition as an apprentice. Not Donald Trump's show. Come on, guys, help me. Someone who is learning, but not just in a classroom. That's part of it. We need to learn the Word of God. We need to learn the doctrine of our faith. Amen? But not just learning the Word, but practicing it. Practical experience, getting your hands dirty, putting your hands to the plow, getting in the trenches and actually trying it, what you're learning, under the supervision of someone who's a little farther along than you, who has become skilled in the trade or art, or I love the last one there, calling, calling. When Jesus called his first disciples, he said, I will make you Fishers of men. I will make you fishers. That, that, that implies a process of discipline, of training, of hard work. And that's exactly what he required of those men. And he poured his life into them for three years in discipleship training. We begin a brand new series today for a brand new year. Can I just tell you this isn't a randomly chosen series? This isn't something I took a dart, you know, and put a dartboard with all the possible series, and I went, oh, okay, discipleship. No, that's not the way it was at all. It was under prayer. This wasn't something I got off the Internet that was cool. 
Actually, discipleship would be the last thing that you would find. Sorry, that, that was mean. Anyway, this is going to be very intentional, strategic, and listen, foundational to everything we do in 2019. Everything. This is the year of discipleship at New Life Church. This is the year that because of that, true impact in our community can begin. Our foundational scripture, our theme scripture is James 3.13. It says, if you are wise, if you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it. Everybody say prove it. Prove it. it. By living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. Anybody guess what our series is called? Say it again. As in, if you really love God, if you really want to serve God, if you really want to grow in your faith, and if you really want to make a difference in someone else's life. Now, is that offensive? Some people would would think so. Some people would think that's offensive that I would ask as you come in to church that I would ask you to actually prove what you believe and back it up with some action. But who cares about me? I'm a nobody. Is it offensive that James, the brother of Jesus, would write that? If that offends you, don't read the rest of James. I'm just telling you. When we were kids, we would... Do something crazy like play outside. That's what we used to do, kids. It's amazing. It's a beautiful place. We would play outside, and we'd be going along, and we'd be seeing, you know, like a ditch with some water in it or something, and we, and, you know, I can, I, I bet I can, I, I bet I can jump that. And what's the first thing that our friend said? Prove it. So one of three things <laughs> happened. We jumped, we made it, we're like, ooh, I proved it. We didn't make it, we got wet or hurt, whatever. Or we chickened out. Now think about it. In every other area of our lives, we are required to prove things that really matter. It started early in school. It wasn't enough that we just sat in a classroom and listened to teaching. We had to prove that we knew what by taking a what? A test. What about your job? Was it enough that you had a great resume? They may have hired you for that, but eventually you had to Prove it. What about, oh, tax season coming up. Some of us are excited about that. Some of us are dreading that. just depends on what you do. Tax season, the IRS is not going to take your word for it. You have to prove it. What about our marriages? You know, we, we, we make vows in an altar, but eventually we have to. I'll move on from that one. And then, of course, the health. Thing that, that the, this is the beginning of the year and we're always thinking about health and, and, and diet and exercise. And it's great that we say it and yes, we need it, but eventually we have to, if we want to see results, right? We have to prove ourselves in all of these areas and more and we aren't offended by it because it would waste our time. It's just real. It's just reality. We have to prove ourselves. So why do sometimes we get into church and we get offended when we're asked to prove things? 
Pastor, it's about grace, brother. Just grace. It's grace. It's grace. Yes, God has amazing grace, and without it, we would be doomed. So we get saved, and our destiny is changed because of his grace. But then what? Is that it? Is that all there is to the story? Does it end after salvation? Come on, folks, listen to me. There is so much more to Christianity than just getting saved. Now I want you to hear my heart. I'm not mad at you. I'm not angry. I'm not frustrated with you and our church at all. This series, and, and I'm, I'm going somewhere that a lot of folks won't go in this series because I love you. Because I've been called not to just build a big church, but to pastor you, to shepherd you, to teach you all of the counsel of God's word. I'm not mad at you. I love you. And that's why we're doing this. There's so much more, and that's what this series is about. So the big idea of the whole series, look at the screen. Salvation is a gift from God. Discipleship is a daily commitment to Jesus. Salvation is a gift, a free gift. But discipleship will cost us something. Are y'all just quiet or or is this the way it's going to be the rest of the day? Come on. (laughs) Salvation occurs in a moment, but discipleship takes a lifetime. And I want you to hear this now. The gospel message also called the kingdom message, includes both. It's both. Now, I'm going to pray for the rest of our time, but I'm going to pray with my eyes open because I don't want any of y'all slipping out the back. (laughs) Father, thank you so much for your presence. Thank you for your word. Let it become powerful and prophetic. Let us open our hearts to it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. I want to begin the rest of our talk here with an Old Testament story about Elijah, which is kind of unusual for a discipleship sermon, but hang with me. I'm going somewhere with it. 1 Kings 17. If you have your Bibles or you can follow along on the screen in the New Living Translation. 1 Kings 17, beginning with verse 1. Now Elijah, who was from Tishbe in Gilead, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go. Everybody say, Go. Go to the east and hide by the Kareth Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. Verse 5. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped. Everybody say camped. Did he build a house? It was a beautiful spot. Steve, it was a great place to build a house. It's a great place to to, to live, but he didn't. He he camped there because it was going to be temporary. He camped beside the Kareth Brook east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. So basically, Elijah had it made in this situation. He had it made. He was camped by a beautiful stream. How many like camping? I don't really, but anyway. I like the Marriott, but that's fine for everybody else. He was camping beside this beautiful stream, clean water. He was being protected from what was happening outside. 
He was actually saved from what was happening. And then the wildlife was bringing him food and bread, meat, crazy. This was probably the most comfortable season of Elijah's life. Not just because of the bread and the meat and the water, but because the dude liked to be alone. He was con- study, study Elijah. He was constantly trying to get by himself. He was constantly leaving his servants behind. He was constantly like, just give me some space, dude. I need to go and just be my mind. He liked to be alone. Anybody else like that? He just liked to have his own quiet time and away. And so he was by himself. He was isolated. He had food. He had water. He had it all. He was comfortable, but it didn't last. Verse 7. After a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Then the Lord said to Elijah, here we go again, go, say it, go, and live in the village of Zarephath near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow, not a raven, but a widow, a person, to feed you. Folks, it wasn't God's will that Elijah build a house in the wilderness by himself. It wasn't God's will that he stayed isolated from everyone else while God fed him and just kept bringing him food over. And let me just tell you, it's not God's will that you just continue to come in here on Sundays only and receive me, receive word from me the rest of your life. It's not God's will. It's part of it. It's important. But it's not God's will that you just come to church and sit in a pew or a chair. God had more for Elijah to do and to see and experience than a life of comfort and ease. God had a work for Elijah to do that affected other people. And God has a work for us to do that affects other people. Discipleship, listen, is not just vertical. You can't do discipleship in isolation. Trust me, I've tried. I like my alone time. But you can't do that. You can't just, I'm going to mess somebody up. You can't just do discipleship and have a quiet time every day by yourself. That's important, but that's not discipleship. That's not all there is to it. Discipleship is horizontal. Look at what Jesus himself said in John 13, 35. He says, your love for one another, that's horizontal. He didn't say your love for me. He didn't say your love for God. He said your love for one another will prove, there's our word, the world, to the world that you are my disciples. Here's the point. Look at the screen. Our discipleship must benefit others. Our discipleship must benefit others. If you're taking notes, you can put in parentheses or it ain't working. If your discipleship is not affecting other people, it's not working. And so God allowed the brook to dry up. Now, this section here might be the most important part of this message, so I want you to put out every distraction, and I want you to hone in on what I'm saying right here. This is important. God allowed the brook to dry up. God stopped the ravens from bringing him meat and bread. And God instructed Elijah to leave the safety of isolation and move. Perhaps the reason that God seems distant in your life and maybe even silent in your life right now 
is because he told you a long time ago, the spiritual place that you are residing in right now has been used up. Its purpose is done. In other words, the brook has dried up. And God is prompting you through this to move, and yet you stubbornly continue to pray for rain. That may be the best thing I say all day, so. No, 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 no. You're trying to receive God's blessing without being obedient. Now, again, let me smile and say this is not a judgmental message. This is not because I'm angry. We all get to these places of frustration in our walk with Christ. But I want you to see them differently. I want you to look at it differently. Perhaps these seasons of unrest and spiritual dryness are meant to get us moving again. That's exactly what happened to me, Dr. Thomason, coming from my previous church. That's exactly what happened to my family coming from a great church, a great season. We were happy. There was no issues. God was blessing. God was moving in that church. I was a worship pastor. I didn't have all of the the pressures of a senior pastor. I had a great salary. The church was growing. The girls were thriving. Kathy was involved in the, the, had a a job in the school system. Everything was just right and we were comfortable. But y'all, I can't even describe to you. I began to sense that the brook was drying up. And if I had not been obedient to the move of God and the calling of God to go to that next place, it would have gotten ugly in a hurry. Let me give you some New Testament to back this up. Colossians 2, Paul says in verse 6, And now, just as you accepted Christ as your Lord, you must continue. Say continue. You must continue to what? Follow him. Let your roots grow down deep into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. We're going to unpack verse 7 next Sunday. You need to be here. But today I want to focus on verse 6 and specifically that word continue. Paul says, just as you accepted Christ, what is he talking about? Salvation. He's talking about getting saved, giving your heart to Jesus, but he doesn't stop there. He says, just as you did that, continue to follow. Now he's talking about discipleship. And both are the message of the kingdom. Both are the message of the gospel. He says you must continue to follow, you must continue to move. Look at the screen. The key to discipleship is movement. The enemy of discipleship is stagnation, being unwilling to move when the Spirit of God tells you to and to respond to him when he tells you to. There's four chairs behind me. They represent the four different types of people that are in this room, really in the whole world. Chair one, we have the seeker. The seeker. The seeker is someone who is looking for something outside of themselves, something bigger than themselves, a purpose in life, the meaning of life. Even atheists are in this chair. They would not admit it, but they are because they're still, they're looking for something bigger than themselves. Why? Because that's the way we've been created. 
We have been created, Genesis says, in the image of Almighty God, Imago Dei. And we've been created with a void that can only be filled with the Spirit of God. We try to fill it with all kinds of stuff, don't we? How many have that? No, never mind. You've got that testimony. You know it. You've, you've, the seeker, you may be here this morning. Listen to me. Please listen to me. You may be here because you know there's something more to it. You haven't bought into the whole Bible yet. You haven't bought into Christianity yet. You're not sure, but you know there's something missing, and you've tried to fill it with everything under the sun, and nothing has worked. As a matter of fact, it's gotten worse, not better, and maybe this is it. Can I just tell you, I am so glad and thankful that you are here and you are welcome. No matter what your life looks like right now, no matter what you're going through, no matter what your family looks like, you are welcome as long as you want to be here. You are welcome at New Life Church. Seeker. Listen to this little story. John 1.45 Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? How many were born on the wrong side of town, on the wrong side? No, don't raise your head. It's fine. Hey, you're, it's fine. Jesus was too. And then, and then Philip replied, come and see. I know. Nazareth is like, yeah. Come and see for yourself. How many remember that first invitation to come to church with somebody? Do you remember that? Anybody? Or youth group? Or maybe a Christian concert? It's a simple invitation. Hey, look, 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 look. Sometimes all the person in this secret chair needs is for a Christian who's willing to put themselves out there just a little bit and just simply invite them to go with them to church or to an event or to a small group. To risk a little bit of rejection. Do you know they probably will say yes? They're afraid of offending you. 80%, it's proven, 80% of people will say yes. You're like, Pastor, I don't have the theology, I don't, have, I don't know how to do it. Fine, just invite them. Invite them. An invitation. Come and see for yourself. That's the seeker. Chair two is the believer. The believer. The believer is someone who has, rep- who has repented of their sins. They've given their heart to Christ. They've, come, they've gotten saved. That's what we, how we say it in the South. We, they got saved from their sins. They've given their heart to Jesus. They've begun a relationship with him. Paul says that the old has gone and behold, all things have become new. Folks, this move from here to here is instantaneous. It's instantaneous. It's not a process. It is instantaneous and it is because of the blood of Jesus. A high price was paid for you to move from here to here, from death to life. And it's because of the precious blood of Jesus. There's nothing we can do about it. There's no price that we could pay. It was the high price that Jesus paid with his life. Colossians Colossians 1.13, Paul says, for God rescued us. From the kingdom of darkness, and I love the verbiage, he says, and transferred us. Transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son and purchased our freedom. 
and forgave our sins. Again, instantaneous. Nothing we could do. Free gift to believe in Christ for our salvation. That's chair two. Chair three is the servant. The servant. After we get saved, Jesus invites us to follow him in service and in loving people as he loved us. He invites us to learn about ourselves and to discover the gifts and the talents that he's given us, how to use them for the kingdom. He invites us to serve in his kingdom. How awesome is that? How amazing is that? It's a process of discipline and learning and growing and serving. This is our third core value. We have four. Worship. Word. This is what I'm doing right now. Walk is discipleship. But listen to what Jesus says about discipleship. Luke 9. I want you to hear this now. This is not Alan. This is not pastor. This is Jesus. Then Jesus said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to sit in chair three, must deny themselves. Well, that's a popular thing in our culture, isn't it? (laughs) Deny themselves and take up their cross. Pastor, I don't want to be crucified. I don't either. Probably not a literal thing. What he's saying is, take up your calling. Take up your purpose. His calling was to go to the cross and to die for our sins. Take up your purpose daily. Y'all, I promise I'm not mad at you. (laughs) Daily, not just on Sunday. Daily and follow. Folks, here's the point. We should never, ever, 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 ever allow this chair to be our final destination. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Moving from chair one to chair two is through Christ alone. He paid the price. It's instantaneous. But moving from chair two to chair three, it's going to cost us something. It's going to cost us something, but we don't have to do it alone. It is in partnership with the Holy Spirit. He will never leave us or forsake us. He said he would go to the very ends of the earth if we're following him. He'll never leave us. And he's given us the body of Christ to work with and to partner with. This will cost us something. And that's why most Christians in America never make it out of chair two. Can I challenge you to not be average? Don't settle for chair two. Don't settle for less. God has so much more for you to do and to see and to experience in his kingdom. Chair three, the servant. Chair four, the mentor. The mentor. This chair includes chair three. You don't ever get to leave chair three, by the way. It's kind of like a love seat. It kind of becomes... <laughs> you're still serving, but you're adding a whole nother level to your discipleship. Now you're not just the disciple. You become the disciple maker. 
Jesus' final words to his disciples and to us is called the great, what? Commission. Matthew 28, 19, he says, Therefore, go and make. Everybody say make. make. Go and make. He did not say go and be. That'll preach a little louder than what you're giving me. Go and make disciples, not just go and be a disciple in all the nations. In this final chair, we become followers of Jesus who make followers of Jesus. I don't need to tell you that there aren't many Christians in this world sitting in this chair. I keep having to say this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Me preaching this way, if you're sitting in this chair and have kind of refused and gotten stuck to move, this is not about condemning you or judging you. This is about preaching something that will change your life. It will change your world. It will change your family. It will change your whole thing. Because I'm telling you, it will be difficult. It's not easy. It will be messy. When you get involved in somebody's life and you start mentoring them, they're going to have setbacks. They're going to frustrate the life out of you. But if you hang with them and you watch them begin to grow in Jesus Christ and begin to walk in their purpose, my God, there is nothing better. There is nothing more satisfactory than that in our Christian walk. I'm telling you. Woo, glory. I'm sorry. I got a little excited about that. That's kind of the vision of the church. Connecting people to their God-given purpose. You can't do that and help people to do that unless you're willing to sit here and get your hands dirty and spend a little time and energy and effort in somebody else's life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Jesus is inviting every single one of us to sit in chair four. Pastor, I... Come on, I'm... Chair three, I'm good. I'm already sitting there. I'm, I'm serving every Sunday. I'm, I'm, I'm doing something. I'm, I'm in the parking lot. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm whatever. I'm not qualified. I'm not qualified to sit in chair four. That's for you. I'm not qualified. Can I tell you, Jesus doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Come on. Can I admit to you, that I'm not qualified to be your pastor. I'm just hoping that I faked it enough that you, you, you bought into it. I'm serious. I'm serious. I'm serious. I wake up or sometimes I don't go to sleep thinking about what's happening. And I'm like, I am so far out of my league. It's not even funny. But that's exactly where Jesus wants us. That's exactly where he loves us to be. The brook is drying up. It's time, it's time to move. It's time to prove it. What chair? What chair are you in? It's, it's just an honest question. There's no judgment. What chair are you in? Are, are you here as a seeker, as a believer, as a servant, or as a mentor? What chair? Folks, it does me no good to sugarcoat my words this morning. It does me no good, you no good, for me to tickle your ears. Because listen to what 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, and I'm closing. For the kingdom of God, the gospel message does not consist in talk. 
but in power. I don't know about you, but I want a gospel working in my life that is powerful, that is life-changing, that affects people's lives, not something that's wimpy. And just about talk, I'm going to lose weight. Well, in February, you've done gone back to eating the donuts. I don't want my Christianity to look like that. Folks, we have a problem in America with our gospel. We've pretty much, listen, listen, I'm closing, I promise. We pretty much have removed these two chairs. Especially this one. We've just removed it from our gospel message. There's exceptions to that, of course. But for the most part, we've made the gospel vertical. We've made it about just, it's, it's, it's private. My faith is private. It's between me and the Lord. I'll offend somebody if I share it. I don't need to, the workplace is no place to share the gospel. It's not, it's not. I just need to believe. I just need to believe. We've completely removed the second half of the gospel. And what we are left with, listen, is a watered-down, anemic version of our Christianity. What we are left with looks nothing like what Jesus taught or lived or the apostles lived. What we are left with is a powerless gospel that will eventually let us down. It will eventually, it will eventually just completely disappoint us and even we'll get bored with it. I wish I could see, y'all could see your faces right now. I love you. I love you. Look at the screen. Almost everything that really matters in life comes with a level of difficulty. Almost everything that really matters in life comes with a little effort on our behalf. We know that's true, so why do we think it's different in here? Discipleship is no different. Following Jesus, becoming a true follower of the Lord is no different. But y'all, look, it's so worth it. It's so worth it. But what's more important than that? God is calling us to it. He's calling us out of this chair to begin moving. Because there's a lost and dying world that needs an army willing to get their hands dirty and pull people out of hell. It's time to move. It's time to prove it. One month from now, on a Wednesday night, the first Wednesday, listen, I'm I'm done. The Wednesday night in February, the first one, we are launching a discipleship program at New Life Church. We are launching... Dr. Thomason and I have been working on this. It's going to be a mixture of of teaching, of practical experience. It's going to give those of you who have been saved for a while the opportunity to sit in chair four. Step up and begin mentoring people who need it. There's a sign-up right outside. You're not signing up in blood. I will not call you and be like, why didn't you show up? But if you're interested, you need to put your name down because we need to know what kind of room, what size of room we need. You come to that first week and you're like, yikes, that's not for me. No judgment. But this is where we're going. I love that this is a full room. I love that in the early service we had a a great crowd. I love that we've grown 20% last year. I love that, but that's not what I've been called to do. 
I've been called to make disciples, not believers. And you have too. Bow your heads, please. If you're in chair one today, you say, Pastor, I am seeking and I sense the presence of God and I know that I'm not right with the Lord and I need to receive Jesus into my heart. I want you to just raise your hand. I'm ready to move from chair one to chair two this morning. Just keep it up, please. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Who else? Who else? Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Who else? There's three right over here. Who else? I'm not going to call you up today, but I am going to pray for you right now. Father, these that have lifted their hands, I'm praying right now that you would transform them by your glory and your grace and your mercy and the precious blood of Jesus right now. Those of you raised your hand, will you raise one more time? We've got a gift that they're going to bring you as I'm praying. If you have your hand up, I want you to receive Jesus right now as your Lord and Savior. I confess my sin. I want to move from death into life right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. This is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. You know what? I'm, I'm wrong. I, I, I've got to have, Can you guys come? I want to pray for you. Quickly, quickly, if you have your hand up, quickly. I was trying to do it my own way. Hallelujah. Who else? Who else? Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Would you stretch your hands toward these precious people that have just received Jesus? It's not about a prayer. You, you are now saved. You've given your heart to the Lord. You can't ever be any more saved than you are in this moment. He has forgiven you of your sins. Everything is new. You've moved from death unto life. Receive that promise right now. Receive that in your heart. Say, I receive that, Lord. I receive salvation. I confess that I was a sinner. Come into my life. Forgive me. Thank him for his salvation. folks, listen, look at me, look at me. You, because of your faith in coming down and putting your trust and confession, you are saved. The word of God is clear that he has saved you. But that is only the beginning. I need every single one of you to make sure you get in this class and that you can grow and walk in the purpose that God has called you. The enemy will sift you. He'll, he'll, he'll have his way with you if you stop here. You've got to move on. You've got to move on in him. Hallelujah. You guys can be seated once again for me. Everyone else, if you bow your heads, please. If you'd say, I'm, yeah, let's give the Lord praise for that. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that awesome? There is nothing in the world like seeing the lost come into the kingdom. But it can't stop there. Can I just say that 
You know, we had hundreds saved in this place, and that's why God would not let me sleep until I submitted to this whole thing. We've got to disciple these folks who are coming into the kingdom, and those of us who have been saved for 20 years have got to step up to the plate because our staff and I can't do it alone. I need your help. Those of you who know Jesus, it's time for you to be a mentor. It's time. It's time to prove it. I love you. Enough to tell you that, because there's going to be nothing like it in the world. If you'd say, Pastor, I've been stuck in chair two or chair three, and I don't know what it's going to look like, but I would like your prayers because I want to move. I'm ready to prove it. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. I want everyone, if you raised your hand, you put them down. I want you to think about putting your name on that list as well and, and joining with us in this project. Father, I am overwhelmed with your spirit. Lord, I sense your pleasure. And God, I'm just praying that we would stay the course and give us strength, God, to to move into this season of, of discipleship. It's not flashy. It typically doesn't fill buildings up with people. It's difficult. So God, we need your help. We need your guidance. Let your Holy Spirit take over. Change our hearts. Do surgery on our hearts, Lord. Those of us who have been saved for a long time, Lord, I pray that you would do surgery on our heart and give us a burden for the lost and a burden, Lord, to mentor people into the kingdom. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Can we give God praise one more time? One more time. We have one more thing that we need to do that is not as fun. We have an announcement to make that is is difficult, but also one that is exciting at the same time. It's bitter and it's sweet. Pastor Dan, will you come please share? Um, I'm going to read from Isaiah 43. It says, forget all of that. Isaiah 43, 18. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. The wild animals in the fields will thank me. The jackals and owls too. For giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland. So my chosen people can be refreshed. I have made Israel for myself. And they will someday honor me before the whole world. I want to back up. It says... For I'm about to do something new. See if already begun. Um, I say this to the team all the time, and I say this, you know, if y'all have been around here for a little bit, I have my little sayings, my Danisms, and um, I say we're a big family around here, and I mean that with everything within me. Uh, these these folks on stage are family. They're like siblings to me. And y'all are family to me. Um, today is, is my last day here at New Life. Um, I have made the choice. We've made the choice to move back to South Carolina. That's, that's where we're from. Um, to be close to family. It's important for us to be close to family. Um, and it is something that has been a little bit of a challenge. You know, God... God calls you into ministry. 
And, and it's exciting, it's great. There's no greater honor, no greater honor to me than to stand, stand here and, and to lead people into God's presence, to be able to have, build relationships with people and to impact them, to reach people for the gospel. And so this is a really, really tough day for me, to be honest. But I know that I had, I had to make this decision to, to be back and be close to family. And so um, the cool thing about this is, is I know that God called me here, me and Pastor, when, when, I, when I talked to him about this, you know, he looks at me and he says, you know, it's a little shorter time than, than I thought, but I have no doubt in my mind that you are who God had in That's this right. time. That's right. Amen. And, and right. I, 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 can't, I can't agree with that anymore. Um, and I didn't share this first service. The first service, I, wa- I walked through these doors in the interview process. Uh, I love you, Pastor. I hate I, any, any interview process I hate, especially in churches. But I walked through these doors, and God spoke to, here, this is where I have you. And, and there were several candidates. I was the first up, and I knew that God had called me here. And I still know today that God had called me here for, for, for such a time as this. And, and I knew what God has spoke to me about the purpose of me being here at New Life. And, and I do believe that that purpose has been fulfilled. And the cool thing is, is, is God has already begun. Just like that scripture said, God has already begun to work. Amen. And so God is working. God is moving in my life. He's working here in New Life. In 2019, God has incredible things in store for this house and for this church. Amen. And, and again, I love this church. This is family to me. And so I'm a phone call away. Um, and, you know, if anybody needs anything, I don't have money, but if you need anything else, <laughs> I can encourage you. Um, but I just wanted, wanted you to know thank you so much for how you've welcomed me into your home for the last two years and three months. Come on, let's give it up for Pastor Dan. Come on. Hallelujah. Just remain standing. I've been doing this for almost 25 years, and these moments never get any easier. Um, I've been through this in different churches as well. And in, in one of the seasons I was in was only 14 months, and God moved. And so in ministry, you just you have to go with what God says. You have to be obedient. It hurts, but we are thankful that God has his hand on, on Dan and his family, and he has his hand on us. And you have my word. That I'm gonna, we're going to be praying. I want you to pray and fast for this next worship pastor. Before he, God already knows who it is. God's taking care of us. And so it's going to be a new season for us as well. But today I want to celebrate. Dan, I want to pray for him. If you'll move down to the front, I want to pray for him. I want you to, anybody who would like to, staff, elders, if you would come. And we're going to pray for Pastor Dan. Uh, his wife, Brittany, and the kids have already moved because of school and getting them signed up for school and all of that. So they wanted to be here but could not today. But if you were touched by that ministry, if you would come and pray. And, and everybody else, if you would just stretch your hand this way, we're going to bless him. We're going to bless him and celebrate him in this prayer right now. Father, in Jesus' name, by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, I thank you for Dan. I thank you for his family, Brittany and Isaiah and Cadence. God, I pray right now that you would bless this family, that you would keep 
this family, that you would provide for this family. God, and that this would not be the end of the road. There would be so much more in this family, more ministry, more amazing things that would take place with this beautiful family. And God, we just celebrate him, we love him, and we send him forth in grace and in power. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we thank you for Pastor Dan. We thank you for the season that we've had with him. And we give you all the glory and all the praise and all the honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. One more time. Let's give it up for Pastor Dan. As you're leaving, you're welcome to come. He's going to stay right here. Show him some love as you're leaving, but you're dismissed. Be back here for part two of Prove It next week. I love you, church.